Thank you for having me. Oh, God, you're so welcome. I'm really, really excited to get stuck into Artemis and Apollo with you, um, especially, like, because they have such a rich history and mythology. Like, it's actually fascinating. Um okay. And a bit of controversy too, a little bit of uh, controversy where they might there might not be twins. So there's some oh, interesting points. I am here for that. Um, so I am actually kind of referring to her pre-dynastic Egyptian origins. I believe that there's a lot of archaeological scholar evidence that kind of supports that she's pre-Greek, like she isn't originally from the Greek pantheon. So I think that's what's really interesting, and I don't see a lot of people talking about that with Artemis. So share, like, what do you know? Spill the tea. Yeah, let's get into it. So um, I was reading this dissertation. Um, I think it's by somebody named Carla. She went into this whole idea of how Artemis became like the Virgin Mary. And when I was reading through that, it also went to talk about Artemis's like uh, origins before that in the Minoan and Mycenaean type cultures and kind of how she evolved throughout time. Like there's kind of a lot to get into, but if you want to like ask me your questions, I think hopefully it'll lead into some of that and make it a little bit easier to talk about because honestly I could sit here for like two hours and just nonstop verbal diarrhea <laughs> about all of it. And it would be very confusing because I'm ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I'm there like, please spend two hours talking about this. That is like my favorite. That's the best way to spend an afternoon these days. Like I love to deep dive. I love like a hot cup of coffee and like the biggest deep dive. Like let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's explore. Let's look at one thing that leads you to another. Like it's so much fun. So like, let's talk about Artemis's imagery and symbolism, right? Like we've sure. obviously got like deer and walnuts and like the bow and arrow archery. There's wild animals, nature, uh, like chastity, uh, the wilderness, like feathers and antlers. But there's independence, you know, like this midwifery. There's the hot yeah. night, you know, silver mm -hmm. and the moon. And um, when I say silver, I mean the color and the metal. But like even with tarot, we've got the strength card temperance card and the moon right yeah um, absolutely and the strength card we can get into that too because of um some of the pre-greek origins have um depictions of an artemis like goddess with two lionesses so or two lions so it's really cool that she there's just so much so um we know that a lot of information about Artemis kind of comes through Homer, who described, I believe, the late stage transformation of Artemis. And um, she was already a young maiden at this point when Homer started to talk about her. Um, and that's in contrast to her pre-Greek, like Parthenogenetic virgin mother goddess, which was, um, I feel like the Dorians came in. I mean, this would get into like Greek history here, but there was when the... Mycenaeans conquered over the Minoans there was already a like virgin mother goddess that was there that was being worshipped and she was being worshipped in similar ways to how Art Artemis is worshipped like very similar rituals and um, this was called the mistress of animals the lady of the beast and she was a Minoan goddess she was a nature goddess um, she had a lot of the same attributes too with like hunting and arrows and even Homer kind of refers to her as um what she was called in the Minoan pantheon as, I don't know how to pronounce it very well, but Potnia Thea. It's spelled okay. P-O-T-N-I-A. 
and that's really funny like, because I found like loads of you know epithets and stuff and one of them is like Artemis but, but I can't pronounce it either like O-R-T-H-I-A yeah so yeah like yeah that is it yep um there's so many so many epithets that kind of give a little bit of clue to she was more worshipped than we even realize I think throughout history she just kind of took on different names and different aspects and a lot of that you can see through her epithets and I think that's really interesting are, are you referring to are they called bandis or something along those lines um like a similar like there are similarities through like bastet there's obviously the um the etruscan diana and bandis well they're not one and the same they all share similar traits though right like they are all very similar and worshipped just as you go from state to state they're worshipped in a very different way yeah, yeah. And I think that because what would happen is there was so much conquering going in, like different places, like civilizations coming in and being conquered. And what was done is that they would assimilate. They wouldn't just throw out all the other cultures' beliefs. They would kind of just bring their cultures in and be like, okay, well, this kind of works with what I believe and let's bring it together. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that was happening. And it kind of, I feel like, paved the way to a lot of confusion for us, if that makes sense. We, we've seen it throughout history it happens all the time unfortunately and therefore like it's just it makes our favorite little deep dives like so much harder especially when we're easily distracted <laughs> um, mm -hmm. where we were at um okay so like we have artemis but what about apollo can you talk me through like aside from the sun uh, your favorite bits of imagery and symbolism for Apollo. Switching the beat a little bit to go into Apollo. Um, Apollo's energy, I can understand why they are, why they work together because I feel like Apollo, um, he's very much about the self-confidence, right? But you self-confidence will get you nowhere without self-esteem. And I feel like self-esteem is where Artemis comes in. And there's this, that big difference in having self-confidence and you need self-esteem to go with your self-confidence or else you don't know what you're worth, right? And then anyone can take everything from you. And I feel like that's why there's such a dynamic duo. And again, with the whole moon and sun symbolism, the moon reflects the sun's light. So I can see why they're kind of brought together. But I also feel like, not to get back into Artemis, but her lunar aspects were kind of forced upon her. I think as civilization began to develop, it began to kind of push all of her like orgiastic rituals in the forest, dancing naked with her nymphs into darkness because civilization didn't want to see that anymore. It became shameful. So I feel like that's where her lunar aspects kind of come in and where she adapted into that, like kind of needing to be hidden but they work very well together. I feel like they have very, they're not twins in my opinion. I feel like they just balance each other. I don't know how to make that sense. I don't know how to make that make sense. No, I get it. They're more like uh, like two separate entities that just gel really well. It's like a workplace bestie, right? They've essentially found their version of a workplace bestie. Like they found uh, each other's strengths and like where they need a little bit more support. They found that in each other. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and through the research that I've done, that's kind of like, well, if they're not twins, then what is their relation? Um, Artemis might have been a partner or a sister to Leto. That's the speculation, which I think is kind of cool to, to kind of dive into because there is that mythology that she was there to help deliver um, Apollo. 
And then that comes with her epithet, um, Artemis Ulithia, where she works with the goddess of, um, they're both childbirth goddesses or goddesses yeah. that deal with childbirth and they work together to kind of ease the pain. So I think that that's an interesting idea if Artemis was there as a partner or as a sister, not as a daughter to Leto. I, I love that perspective because I, I, I you know when you read anything to do with Apollo and Artemis it's very much like well if Apollo run, rules you know with the sun and um, then you've got Artemis with the moon how is it that like she's delivered her brother in the sense which would make that Sunday and Monday backwards for a start you know it'd be Monday Sunday but like how could a day old baby like deliver. <laughs> well, I mean, we can get into that because in mythology, Hermes as a day-old baby stole cattle from Apollo. So apparently, like the days and time doesn't really make sense. It's like magical realism or something for mythology yeah. because yeah, the, the, I mean, like with um Leto or Leto, like they weren't allowed to give birth on land, so she was just like almost permanently pregnant until she could find uh, Delos. So like it wouldn't make sense that maybe you know they kind of. I mean, Athena sprung fully grown through Zeus's head. So, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. let's say it's, time is completely different um, with these guys. So, okay, well, that that's I'm really interested to hear more about that from you, to be honest. Um, well, before we get into some questions that I've got for you, I wanted to run over a little bit of astrology. Um, for those listening, Apollo in your chart. Um, asteroid number 1862 orbiting every 1.76 years uh it comes in with that big dick energy like to be <laughs> honest he, he's like 99 larger than other asteroids jessica adams refers to apollo as like well endowed for his special talents uh, <laughs> <laughs> ruling over the fine arts and medicine music poetry oracles and prophecy uh, there is a hypothetical planet as well h44 and that's a pollen um this is associated more with themes that kind of combine jupiter and gemini so things like foreign trade cultures expansiveness and peaceful efforts something that i really like about h44 as well is that um the actual glyph for it looks like a lyre which is like apollo's favorite um instrument like so mm -hmm. that's really and that then, cool. right, like I was like, oh, that's cute. Um, and then Artemis is asteroid number 105. So not to be confused on or confused with like Diana, but Artemis themselves, like orbits every 3.66 years and essentially rules for us how we protect and defend others and ultimately ourselves. So it, there are elements of um, where it shows us our hidden sexuality and our natural instincts. Uh, when we work with the energy of Artemis, she comes through to show us how we ride or die by our friends, like how we will fight for like the, our friendships and our loved ones and even what our style of defense that may be as well. So Paige, I've taken a look at your chart and not only is Apollo in your first house Libra, like both uh, Apollos, <laughs> but you've just had your Apollo return as well. So this has been a time for you to realize the power of your own special gifts um Apollo in the first house really does suggest to me how strong your connection to prophecy to oracles to be multifaceted in terms of skill and talent like these may have been the qualities you've used to make like your name in the world as it is right now 
Um, and then with the counterpart Artemis, we have Artemis in Aquarius in the fifth house. So the house protector of sexuality and childhood, defending in the style of Aquarius through rebellion and detachment. This is a placement that pays homage to our ability to be brave warriors for the cause, defended by like what we believe in and just being ready for whatever comes up, especially when it comes to like children, inner child or creative projects. So if a situation needs an outside of the box solution, Artemis in Aquarius is going to turn that problem into easy prey for you. Uh, she's currently transiting Taurus, so collectively, like as a whole, we all have the opportunity to honour our wild creative spirits and learn to protect our self-worth and our resources in that way. The combination of these two, like Artemis and Apollo in your chart, it does really speak to a strong sense of protection, um, of artistry and independence, and your power being best used to defending those you love, but also being able to stand up for yourself. So what do you think of all that? <laughs> well, I definitely can see the theme and the lessons that they're bringing into my life through like the deity work because um, the self-worth and needing to like stand up for myself is definitely something that I have um, credited Artemis with and then definitely the creative expression with Apollo being in my first house. It's interesting. Um, the rebellious in the, you know, the sexual side with Artemis too is really interesting. So does that mean like I learn my lessons through kind of being rebellious in that sense or kind of explain that to me because I don't really get it. So Artemis and Apollo both have these um, strong leadership qualities about themselves. They do it in very different ways. You know, like um, Apollo is quite uh extroverted and like you, you mentioned like uh self-confidence um separately so like apollo is very externally confident in taking the lead in these things whereas artemis is very introspective and um reserved when it comes to how they lead things and how they go about things you know so apollo will be like balls to the wall i'm going in kind of energy like because yeah. there's no one better <laughs> right like there, there's no one better like no one else can handle it like him whereas artemis is very much like she's taking care of her flock she's taking care of her people um and so her first thought isn't to just step in and take action it's like what is the best um solution here that is most beneficial and how do I get there like that's how they approach it in that kind of way definitely like looking at it from like an outside of the box way for the Aquarius aspects there mm -hmm. um especially in areas of the sexuality and child and in a in a child stuff and um like creative endeavors as well um but in terms of sexuality like how you would probably go about um exploring those and how you would get into that like I say it's in Aquarius here we're going to be doing things a little bit differently we're going to be you know using new tech to aid us we will be experimenting in ways that like are probably completely new to other people around us you know how it looks for you will be very different to how it would be for like your friends um you might find so just untraditional <laughs> unconventional yeah it's super unconventional yeah like I, I want to say like new wave but I don't I can't really 
articulate what that is, what that looks like. Because obviously we don't know each other really outside yeah. of our conversation. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't just be like, it's when you were doing this. This is a perfect example of it, you know. Um, but it, it's trying and exploring things in regards to sexuality there in a very different way um, that hasn't traditionally been something that could work for you, right? Interesting. And, uh, it's a very strong energy because it, whilst it being reserved, it's reserved for a reason, you know, you're building up on that. Like you're, you're building some kind of solidity and foundation and authority in that very much an authority in that. So um, how you go about approaching things sexually, um, I'd be very interested because my moons in Scorpio, like I've mentioned before, I'm a nosy bitch. I love to know these things. I find it <laughs> fascinating. I love a deep dive on this. So yeah, pray to like <laughs> You know what? I think it's super interesting with it being Artemis because I am not, I couldn't say that I am uh, straight or gay. I definitely feel like I have to have an emotional attraction in order to have a sexual attraction to somebody. And that has been very unconventional in terms of like everyone else that has been around me in my life. It's like, they just know who they're going to be with. And I have a partner now, I've been married actually for 10 years to a man, but there has, there obviously has been, you know, questions like, is this what I want for the rest of my life? You know, do I want penis for the rest of my life? Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's that a bit of rebellion in me and a little bit of unconventionalism and that in that and also this desire for traditional relationships and for things to be easy I think I just I think I assimilate traditional with easy for some reason um but yeah definitely my sexuality has been interesting <laughs> throughout my life that's for sure and even my partner's sexuality is up in the air like he even we're, we have similar sexuality so it's very unconventional but it's good that you have that together like that's really open and honest and you know um it's great that you have that kind of sense of um belonging with them in this route of we are doing this together you know versus like this is their journey and you know they'll tell me about it later you know you're being open about it and I think that's oh, absolutely amazing like that's you know this is what we need like <laughs> I wish there was like relationship advice for witches and um you know neuro spicy folk like like we need we need some kind of support that is relevant and not like some 40 year old white woman who's part of a like spiritual whitewashing community yeah. <laughs> you know we, it's we like walking in a, a, a field of landmines though when you when you deal with these kind like there's just so much that you have to look out for and have discernment for it's it's a difficult uh in, environment in, in my opinion yeah. which talk in the whole community there's like it's difficult to navigate in my experience it's been difficult to navigate yeah I I I don't know I, I'm quite private in the sense of like I, I mean I'm an open book if you ask me a question I'll be completely honest but um I, I keep my shit to myself as as much as I possibly can and um, yeah that's me too 100% me too <laughs> I mean that's good like we, we should be protecting our energy and protecting ourselves in some capacity but um I think when it's these sort of topics it's really encouraging to have discussions so that other people know that they're not alone um we all go through you know our lives 
aren't like linear kind of straight path um, scenarios. So why would we expect our witchcraft practice or why would we expect our, you know, our sexuality as well <laughs> to remain the same? Oh, very true. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think we've gone off topic already. Like we've done well, haven't we? We've lasted like 10 minutes. <laughs> so what happens when you get two ADHD witches together? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Right, okay. So for the witches who are just starting their deity connection or on that agnostic path, right? They're freaking mm-hmm. out they're worried about their mental health you know they might be thinking like what the fuck is going on you know um they may even want to immediately break away from their practice immaturely as well um because they're like what is going on before you know finding some grounding and supporting themselves so for those who are going through this kind of process what's your initial advice for them wholly based on your own experience yeah um i mean wholly based on my own experience <laughs> My own spiritual awakening has been happening in layers throughout my life. Um, and I've definitely gone back to sleep many times. I've hit the snooze button and said, not right now, please, five more minutes. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like, it's there's certain things that I know that I haven't been ready for. And I just, I have, I, I'm grateful that I know I knew I wasn't ready for it. So definitely take the time to ask the questions like how and why. And I really feel like, you know, as a devotee to Apollo, especially, um, I recommend learning philosophy because I think a lot of like spiritual or even religious beliefs are discovered through like philosophy, philosophical thought and kind of like questioning. Like, for example, my business name is Metamystics. It's a playoff of metaphysics, which is a branch of philosophy that deals with anything that isn't physical. And um, that to me is spirituality. And I feel like philosophy is really good at grounding people and helping them feel like there's like something solid they can stand on throughout this practice. And also it gets you to ask the questions. It gets you to think about the answers. Um, I also kind of, I guess, would say alongside that, like learning philosophy, most people, and this is including myself, we don't have basic life skills anymore, like in communication or budgeting. And like most of the problems that people like turn to spirituality for can be solved by like really relearning to parent yourself or just learning how to live, <laughs> like learning communication and learning how to budget and learning life skills like that. Um, that's always my recommendation. Like you don't have to dive into mythology and take it literally, which I feel like a lot of people do when it comes to like deity work and all of this spiritual stuff, it's okay to step on um, a more solid foundation with like science and philosophy too. That's my biggest advice. I absolutely fucking love that response. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to somebody recently about sex magic, for example, and they were like, but how, how, how does that work? And I'm like, well, how does all magic work? You know, (laughs) But like, if you really want to get into, um, like a good basic understanding of something like sex magic, and I'm sure Apollo wouldn't mind me exploring uh sex magic, like on our part, no, yeah, like we'll we'll love this discussion. But um, you know, it doesn't necessarily like happen through climax, for example. It happens through like sexual rhythmic uh, stimulation, which you know sends your brain these messages um through synapses like your nervous system however it goes it, it, i mean it's been documented through science right like how 
what happens th through um sexual activity and yeah with brain imaging and, and all that yeah and you can you can literally see that the brain doesn't just light up in one or two areas it's like all of your brain gets lit up like that kind of energy is insane and to know that you have that kind of energy within you like that has its own term that's called like interoception that's knowing like the stuff's going on in your body and like what it's doing and things like that and I think if you utilize the kind of energy that's going on in your brain through like sexual activity that is energy that you can direct towards um, manifestation work and healing and whatever it is you're working on right now and you're using sex magic as a tool like we know that that energy is there because we now have science to show us that that energy is there like sex magic works there is yep. some, like stuff towards it like I am an advocate I am pro sex magic and so we we talk about like their philosophy as well like who would you recommend because there are so many <laughs> oh man people out there like it's just insane so who would you recommend honestly I can't recommend anybody I can't <laughs> recommend any old philosophers because you're going to find something in their history you're going to find something in their past something in their own belief system that you don't agree with and that's okay I think the point is that um, another an, another advice that I would give is don't put yourself in an echo chamber of people that agree with you because you're going to learn more if you are surrounded by people that disagree with you and challenge what you believe in. I mean, you don't really believe in something if you can't defend it, you know, up to people that can challenge it. And this is something that I've talked about recently. I feel like there needs to be a witch talk or spiritual talk debate team and force people to debate <laughs> topics against topics that they believe in just to make them have a different perspective on something that they believe in like for example people that um support god spousing against people that don't support it and make them switch roles do you know what i mean oh my god yeah and be like can you find evidence like bring it back to the old speech and debate stuff because i feel like we're gonna learn more as a community watching that than watching the drama that unfolds from stupid shit <laughs> excuse my language but no you could swear um, anyway. this is a swearing safe space <laughs> no I fucking I completely agree okay. with the um like the amount of authors where I read stuff and I'm just like but that that that's simply not true or I'm just like sat there screaming like sauce at my phone because I'm seeing somebody posting shit that's just not true um you know like it's very clearly like there was a magazine I was reading the other day I don't want to shit talk a specific name but they were posting stuff that just was not true um and I was like you're you're selling this you're making money from this like I just feel like ethically like who let you publish this who let that happen <laughs> like people are learning misinformation all the time it's 2020 oh, yeah. how are we still like using the word smudging like as a collective it's okay thing like can we not just replace it with herb smoke like can we not just call it smoke cleansing yeah. you know, there are different variations of smudging I know like when I say it immediately I'm thinking of the Native American one but I know that there are different types as well but there's like in another magazine like this white Wiccan um and she's literally labeled herself as white Wiccan in her little bio thing you know she's talking about like how we need to cleanse um through smudging and specifically use this type of sage and I'm just like for fuck's sake it's it's how is this still ongoing you know um so yeah I feel like if we yeah. just got together instead of just having these resources 
um, to look at or to read or to reflect on later if we actually had conversations like you said like had a debate space oh god that would be good like that would be so entertaining <laughs> yeah and you know what you said about how you know we still have smudging being like practiced I mean I worked at a metaphysical shop here in Sedona where they sold white sage and they were actively recommending it to people that came in trying to smudge away their ex-wife's energy I just I'm not I'm not making that up there is a huge divide and even like, first of all, what's happening in like local spaces like that, but also Facebook. I've gone onto Facebook groups and there's people like definitely a lot of cultural appropriation and not a lot of education on Facebook. And there's two different, you know, social media platforms. How is there not this like, how are they not connected in some way? How is the information not transferring? I feel like it's so common knowledge now on TikTok for certain things that you can at least see a video of somebody using white sage and you'll go in the comments and somebody's made a comment about it. But on Facebook, there's nothing like that. It's really interesting. Oh, honestly, like I could get very heated about this and like people who regularly chat with me will know like how much it absolutely sends me west when I read all this <laughs> stuff, it really does. Um, but we, we we're not we're not coming off topic here like Apollo and Artemis probably have very strong opinions on this too right and I want oh, to like who came through first for you out of the two like what was that like um so to get into it uh this is really interesting I was going through a separation with my partner at the time and I moved out and lived in an apartment by myself and I felt this energy around me because I was in a new space new environment I thought it was a spirit guide so I did a uh, spirit guide identification reading and I guess they tagged on deity identification I had no idea I wasn't a pagan I referred to God as the universe because I wasn't religious but I also wasn't I was spiritual but I didn't really have a system of beliefs yet and so anyway, I reached out thinking, you know, I want to confirm if my grandma is my spirit guide. And I get this reading and she's like, you have a lot of deities around you. This is really interesting. You have Apollo, Aries and Aphrodite. And so when I found out that I had those three around me, I was like researching them. And I picked Apollo because every it just felt like I was. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It felt like I had already known him. And I was like, how did I not know you? Like, it's, it was just super weird. I was like, I feel like I already know you. So this is who I'm going to worship. I decided that's what I'm going to do. I made a little, with my cricket, I made a little sun picture. I framed it and I got a candle. And that was my first little altar for Apollo. But um, when I started learning more about Apollo through that, I learned about Artemis. And I feel like I, this has been something I see other devotees of Apollo they also feel this need to kind of include Artemis in his worship for some reason, like on his altar or something like that. And so then I started researching about Artemis and there was just so much, I feel like I was really hesitant to work with Artemis because of my own guilt and shame when it comes to like environmental things. I feel like we all have it if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, but um, actually learning to work with it I have become so much more environmentally conscious, friendly. I don't use makeup that's been, you know, tested on animals. Like there's just so much. <laughs> I pulled Artemis into my practice uh, simply because I wanted to address that shadow of myself. And I think Apollo shined light on that, which was kind of interesting in the way that they work together that way for me. 
Okay, so this just like reaffirms like the astrology aspects that we were talking about before, like with Apollo in the first house, like the first house for those who are unaware is very much to do with your identity, but it's also like from the beginning, um, from the start. So like when I'm looking at deities and folks charts, I'll look to the first house or the sixth house um, straight away. And so for the first house, for you to have Apollo there, like and both apollo aspects not just <laughs> not just one of them and then the other you know somewhere else they were both like within a five degree or each other you know they're they've always kind of been there for you and it's the same with artemis we talked about the aquarius aspects of being unconventional but it's also to do with like social causes including like charity and the environment um mm-hmm. so it doesn't surprise me that like Artemis and working with how you're feeling towards, you know, like exploring um, playfully um, the environment aspects, for example, um, that makes so much sense. But I love to hear about your experience with that. I mean, what has it been like to work with Apollo and all, you know, that solar energy and like that big, lovely, confident energy versus working with Artemis in the more kind of reserved, hidden, almost like lunar energy aspects? Yeah, um, well, I know that working with Apollo has been amazing for my mental and my physical health. Uh, He has a very healing energy. And in fact, like when he first came in, I was on antipsychotics. Like I had just gotten diagnosed bipolar, uh, just to kind of be vulnerable here. I got diagnosed with bipolar. And it's also kind of interesting the connection that that has because bipolar has like, you know, mania, states of mania. And Plato once wrote, I think it was Plato, once wrote that uh, mania can be, you know, caused by the human body, but also could be divine states from Apollo for like creativity and such. And so I've learned to kind of balance, like I think he waited to really step into my life until I was on those mood stabilizers because he transitioned me slowly off of them while working with his energy. So he's kind of replaced my mood stabilizers, if that makes sense. Because now I kind of understand how to work with the ebb and flow of my bipolar, my mood disorder, which is like high creative, episodes and then super depressed which is bipolar too um so I go into hypomania which is right below mania and then I have like periods of like really bad depression but I feel like going through that darkness is very much Artemis too it's like being able to go through the darkness and then pull yourself out of it to find like creative energy and hope and love again that's the kind of feeling that I get when working with both of them and I love it personally it's it's been amazing for me but Apollo is very big on like self-confidence and helping you kind of release the old and bring out more of like who you truly are like his Delphic maxim is know thyself and that has been a huge motto in my life where I don't know Artemis has been where like the self-esteem aspect you can't have um, self-confidence and be successful in my opinion because people are just going to take and take and take if you don't know what your own self-worth is so artemis comes in to kind of teach you self-esteem which is about knowing your worth knowing your boundaries knowing your own limits and knowing you know what other people deserve of your own energy and time and so i feel like i don't know man my whole life has changed working with these two it's definitely been a wild ride so far and it's only been two years I mean, it's a kind of beautiful, visceral duality that you've been experiencing with them, like very much so. 
Oh yeah. So I can see how they're, you know, connected, but I'm 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 still interested to learn more about, you know, her Artemis's pre-Greek origins to know if they're really twins or not. If they were born together. Like that's obviously that's kind of unnecessary, but I think it's interesting still to learn about because I feel like Artemis I mean, I feel like if you only learn about the Greek understanding of Artemis, she loses so much of what made her like such a strong goddess for the Minoan and Mycenaean cultures. So there is a little bit of that, but I just, yeah, I mean, that's where it's like the self-esteem where Artemis is like about, you know, the hidden aspects of yourself, like the, um, like I said before, I feel like those were kind of forced onto her, like the lunar aspects of needing to be hidden. I feel like that became only part of her because of the way civilization developed to kind of push nature away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious. Do you mind sharing like what your relationship looks like in terms of a practice? Um, I know that you've mentioned like working with versus actual worship. So like what does that look like in your own personal practice? Um, yeah, so, I mean, do you mean as far as, like, offerings or, like, how I kind of go about respecting them? Or, I mean, I wish that I had a structured practice. I have tried so hard to bring structure into my practice, but it's honestly very intuitive. I I just respect the energies that I work with. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of my approach in it. I don't really have like, I don't not, I'm not meditating every single day. If I'm honest, I'm not meditating every single day, but I make it apparent to when I do meditate, I'll throw on um, like a, a, a hymn to Apollo and meditate to that to kind of honor him. Or um, like I said, I purchase things with uh, eco-friendly consciousness in mind and I recycle and I reduce and I reuse. Those are the kinds of ways that I've like, worship and work with them and as far as how they've changed my life and like the um epiphanies I've had I guess I don't know I I, I don't have a structured practice I guess is what I'm trying to get to <laughs> no I think that's so great like it's really interesting to see how you um your relationship with them has changed your worldview for example like having that more eco-friendly focus and yeah and I know. think so many people are it's I get this so many times people are afraid to work with deities because they think if they do something wrong they're going to get punished I have if if that were true I would be gone I mean I work with Apollo and Artemis and Hades and Hecate and very strong powerful like deities that will that were are apparently supposed to punish you if you do something wrong. I don't have a traditional thing. I have forgotten to throw away offerings on their altars before. I have gone months without lighting their candles. They don't care. They really don't. It's us that care more. I think. Um, that's been my experience. So if anyone listening to this is afraid of like reaching out to deities because you think they're going to like smite you and punish you, at least the ones I've worked with so far have been very understanding and very patient and they they don't require that. I mean, Apollo loves to be adored. If I don't give him attention, like if I don't make a TikTok post about him or, or I don't mention him or I don't somehow give him some adoration, I do notice like bad luck, certain things will start happening where I'm not as like blessed by the gods, if that makes sense. But as far as being like punished, like that's very Christianity, like you're going to go to hell kind of feeling. And I don't like that. I don't subscribe to that. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's really, really interesting. Um, like, there is so much I want to unpick from that because I'm just, again, super fucking nosy. But uh, <laughs> okay, okay, I've got, I've got one for you. We, we, um, you know that I'm going to ask you about like the honey musings thing, right? So you've mentioned there oh, yeah. ladies and Hecate. So, um, honey musings once wrote a description of feelings they associated with deities, right? You, you just briefly mentioned like you know you get this feeling of almost bad luck if you're not showering Apollo with adoration. Um, but honey yeah. musings wrote uh, like Aries is the satisfaction from opening a soda can. Aphrodite, the ache in your stomach when you laugh so hard that you cry. Apollo is the ache in your feet after a concert. And Artemis, the safeness you feel when you see the moon shining. So I'm curious, how would you describe Hades and Hecate? I love this question. I actually did, I think, a devotional post um, to Apollo where I kind of had a bunch of slides where I did something similar. But for Hades, I would definitely say that he is like that smell and that feeling of cold, wet dirt, like the kind that you see like worms crawling in. Like if you just like dig a little bit and you like touch the earth and it's, so you can smell it and feel it and it's cold and damp. I think that is what Hades feels like to me. Um, but it's also, it's not like, I mean, it's something that you want to experience. I don't know how to explain that. Maybe that's just my neurodivergency. I love to play and I loved making mud pies as a kid. They were potions and mud pies and that was my favorite thing to do. But I love that feeling, the cold, wet earth. And then Hecate was, oh man, this was hard for me to like pin down Hecate or Hecate, Hecate, however anyone pronounces it. Um, she definitely to me feels like that dream that you fall back into after you've already woken up. So like you hit your alarm and you're like uh, five more minutes and you find yourself falling back into that same dream. That's the kind of feeling that Hecate brings me. That's amazing. That's a, <laughs> I know exactly what you're describing there as well. Like right? I, that's amazing. I love that. Oh yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about um Apollo and his queerness and his creativity and his you know musical ability and his competitive nature. You know. Um, you you mentioned like I say about him not smiting you that's not it at all but like him being a little bit pissed if he's not getting the attention um so what other elements have you discovered about them during your relationship that's actually changed the way you view deity work for folks collectively like not just in your own practice but for like other witches that you knew of yeah um I guess if Apollo has kind of changed anything about the way I approach or view deity work, uh, it's been an understanding that I guess every choice you make and every person you meet, there's an opportunity to discover yourself and to know more about yourself, his know thyself maxim, for good or for bad. Like um, we feel and we connect with life through art and music. We get stronger through the challenge of competition. Um, basically we just learn what we like or we don't like through experience and I feel like having more tolerance to other people's practices has been definitely something I've learned with working with Apollo and just this understanding that you can make anything positive if you have the right mindset even if you encounter something you disagree with that you completely are like I don't like what you're saying you at least can affirm 
more about yourself, right? You can know yourself through what you don't like about somebody else. And I think that that's kind of been, that's been it. It's always sunny in the oracles of Delphi. Oh my God, I love that line. (laughs) (laughs) No, what you said there is perfect though. Like, you know, it's sharing that kind of, like the tolerance aspect as well is so beautiful. Like, I I love that. That is kind of amazing. Um, (laughs) So I know that you wanted to talk about Artemis in terms of like, the protector of children like you know the youthful maiden aspects and her origins Mm -hmm. so here is your open stage my lovely like dive deep oh absolutely tell us all about it well um the the story that I know of how she became known as the protector of children is this um I think it's with her epithet and I'm gonna pronounce it very wrong a pancromini a pinkamini, it means the strangled goddess. Have you ever heard of that? Um, speak a little bit more about it and it will probably rejig. Um okay. so the the tradition, and I'm I'm gonna have to like I might get I might not explain it as well as I could, but the tradition claims that there were children that were like playfully tying a rope around the statue of Artemis in one of her sacred groves, mm-hmm. and then they made the claim that she was strangled. Well, the village, because she was like so, she was so like, I don't know, revered and worshipped, the village people ended up stoning the children to death. And later, the people in the village were struck with like disease and illness, and they were basically miscarrying or having stillborn children. So the villagers realized this was the wrath of Artemis for what they had done to the children. So they went to the Oracle of Apollo, who told them that they would have to properly bury the children and make annual sacrifices to them because they were wrongly killed. Um, so that's how she le- earned that epithet, the strangled goddess, a panko, panko, oh, man, a panko. I just can't pronounce it. <laughs> Don't worry. No, that's fine. Like, so I think what I was thinking of is the, um, uh, again, I absolutely won't be able to pronounce this right. Niobe, um, how Apollo and Artemis came together and killed Niobe and all their children. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that is also part of the mythology where um, I think she was uh, making fun of, or the mother of, the mother, right, was making fun of Leto. And so... Yes. Yeah, they were yeah, so exploring that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, also, though, she's connected to... Um, have you ever heard of the term chorotrophos? It's basically like child rearing. And it was, it's an epithet that's given to a couple gods. Like uh, Apollo is also chorotrophos, uh, Demeter, Gaia, and uh, Hermes even, Hecate. But they basically were um, gods that had a hand in child rearing. So like protecting children. And Artemis is also considered to be a chorotrophos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 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 really interesting. It, it's the fact that like you associate her with being like a um like a wild woman slash huntress um to protecting children like there yeah. there is like a slight disconnect some in some places but like I didn't really get especially with like there might uh, be. There might be a connection also in some of the the ways that she was worshipped because uh, women or young girls um, before marriage would end up like offering things to her, offering their toys, offering their first like menstrual cycle. Um, They would offer things that kind of gave up their childhood to Artemis. So 
she definitely, I think, incorporated different phases of life. Did you also hear that, um, man, there's a mythology that says Artemis, uh, that Hecate was a mortal woman and Artemis turned her into a goddess. Let me think, what was the name of the mortal woman? Have you heard of that? Um, I've heard of Hecate like um, with a mortal woman, but not being a mortal woman. Um, yeah, so King Amnemnon King or whatever his name is had a daughter and I forgot her name because it's Greek. I just don't remember it anymore. It's like starts with an I or something. Yeah, if, 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 or something. I can't pronounce it, but yes, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. and she yeah. was supposedly a human sacrifice um, yeah. to appease Artemis and Artemis took her and, uh, cre- and turned her into Hakati. I thought that was really interesting mythology. Yeah, I've not heard that. So it also- I, I had heard that, um, you know, instead of like there was the tale of, yes, the daughter died um, and she was appeased. But like before she died, she was turned into a deer um, and switched out. So yeah, I heard that one. And I know about like Hecuba being turned into a dog, um, transformed into a dog and then like being a Hecate a companion companion but um no I'd not heard the one about it's so funny it feels like we're in a bar and we're just discussing like have you heard the one about da, 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 da. but no, I have not heard the one about that <laughs> person like being um mortal I know that th- there are so many Medea and um Cersei and the rest but non-specifically of Hecate being mortal if anything, I find I find that Hecate, in terms of my own research, goes way way back. You know, like it's Thracian, um, and then more so, and things with Artemis, like you know, she she's got a temple right next to Isis uh, at some mm-hmm. point in the world. You know, like Isis is a wee bit before Artemis. You know, but like they have a temple together somewhere. So you know, the, there is a lot um, to research and. Something that I really like about you, is, uh, we talk about protection magic, right? Like, so when it comes to working with deities, a fab place to start is with working on your own protection magic first. So mm-hmm. do you want to share some horror stories of devotional work going wrong? Or do you want to elaborate on this, talk about the importance of protection magic, regardless of deity worship? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, protection magic is going to be I feel like very personal and subjective to anyone that dives into doing their own protection magic so when I talk about protecting yourself as a beginner a lot of the times I feel like I'm I mean protect yourself more mentally and make sure that you understand you're going to receive judgment backlash criticism and a lot of cruelty for your beliefs I feel like um a lot of times we get caught up in like feeling like we need to protect ourselves from something physical or, you know, even something, some invisible force that's out of our control. But a lot of the times our biggest threats are kind of inside our own minds or from the people that we interact with. It's not really the spirits. I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, misguided or like ungrounded people can feed into like delusions. So if you're not careful if you don't do the work to clear out your own subconscious um that's what i mean by protect yourself because you're going to run into a lot of weird shit (laughs) um usually this stuff in your subconscious it's going to leak to the surface slowly in manageable ways but when you're going through awakening some people just want to dive into head first without like a safety belt 
that's going to get overwhelming and you're going to be swept away by everything that you can find because the subconscious is um, vast. <laughs> um, so being able to like recognize when you need to take a break or, you know, that kind of thing is also, I feel like protection. Do you agree with that? Maybe a little bit? hundred percent. Yeah. What are your favorite ways to um, incorporate protection magic in your day to day? Oh, absolutely. So um, a lot of mine is just understanding that uh, with my Hellenistic or Hellenic beliefs, I do, uh, I like the idea of miasma and feeling like you should cleanse yourself ritually. Mm -hmm. um, so I do a lot of ritual cleansing and I listen to um, frequencies that are, because he's the god of music as well. Music is a huge part for Apollo. I listen to frequencies and music that clear out negative energies and these are things that I do to protect myself like magically. And um, it's a lot of ritual cleansing and like music, honestly, sound protection. Um, I do have like an understanding in like binding work and baneful stuff, but a lot of that's private for me because I obviously that's my that's my security system. But as far as like just mundane things that you can do, making sure if you feel like your thoughts are turning into something negative, go wash your hands and, and think of something positive. That always turns the energy around for me and makes me feel more safe and secure. You use that with like yeah. shadow work and things as well. Cause sometimes after shadow work, we're left with like shitty feelings. Let's be honest. Like we're like, Oh yeah, I've, I've dived into this. I'm exhausted and I'm tired, but I also still feel awful. So is that something you could recommend for that so I don't know if it's just me or the way that I approach shadow work but I haven't had the experience of feeling awful after doing shadow work a lot of the times I feel like oh my gosh I have that makes sense to me now I understand it, it I do feel don't get me wrong I've gone through like a lot of traumatic shit in my life but I feel like if shadow work is done right you should come out of it feeling better than before and if not then yeah taking steps to ritually cleanse and and bring your energy back up is super important because we can use music Apollo's like you can use music to bring yourself low enough to release whatever you need to release mm -hmm. but then you can use music to bring yourself back up you know what I mean to like be able to let it fully go so you there's like I feel like there's definitely a need to make sure you go to those low places to release what you need to everyone's going to find their way back up differently so whether that's um, taking a walk outside or talking to your best friend, somebody that, you know, gives you energy. It's going to be literally different for everyone. I'm an introvert. So talking to other people usually drains me, doesn't usually give me very much energy. So, yeah. I mean, like each, each practice is completely personal. Like that's the beauty of witchcraft and, um, divination as well. Like it's so unique to the individual, like no experience is exactly the same. Um, it's just for the majority of people, maybe it's like an English thing, but for the majority of people I speak to about shadow work quite regularly, like you're looking at yourself and you're thinking, okay, I understand why I'm doing this. And I, I, I gather like why I'm doing this, but dang it like are you okay <laughs> like, oh yeah you know what 
and and what sucks is that a lot of the times those cringy moments like especially when you've come into a realization about them like I can't tell you how many um like you know ex-partners or people in my life that I'm like oh my god I loved you so much what was I thinking it's almost that approach once you get into shadow work and you get on the other side of it you're it's like comes feelings of guilt and shame towards the things that you felt before does that make sense to you too yeah a hundred percent like honestly it's just a layer a layer cake of crap really like it's it's not an easy journey so things like energetically cleansing is great I once recommended to somebody um who also worked with Apollo um I recommended like utilizing a shower because steam is like a big thing with Apollo not just because of the heat but if you think about like the Pythia and um what they work with in uh, Delphi like the the steam that would come from the hypothetical dead python but in actual fact has been confirmed to be um like a certain type of gas um like that study was really interesting to me because i was writing about um ophiomancy um so like that was like a seven day deep dive scientific archaeological dig on the oracles of delphi like all that chaos so yeah so the yes the energy <laughs> cleansing there like that would be a really cool way to work with Apollo protection magic and resetting your own energy you know like working with energetic cleansing so that's cool absolutely Um, And, and when it comes to protection magic I feel like um the best way to describe it is that magic works through our subconscious mind but our subconscious mind doesn't understand it's very primitive it doesn't understand language it has to work in symbols and pictures and feelings and so when you're trying to you know establish protection in your practice you really have to think about that because if you're not keeping that in mind then you're not really going to have strong protection um yeah no i agree the symbol like if you're going to have like for example i have a home guardian and he's very symbolic of you know protection and that tells my subconscious mind which is what my magic works through you know protection and i'm protected and a lot of it i feel like is spicy psychology magic is spicy psychology if you know we are controlling our realities through the subconscious mind and that's you know something i'm getting into in my tarot book because i'm writing a book on like the art and symbolism of tarot and uh it's just the way that you can train your subconscious mind with magic is really cool. And I feel like tapping into that and understanding how it works is going to push somebody really far into their practice with protection magic. It's really about what you believe in. Uh, it really comes down to that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you believe you're protected and you really, really believe that, then usually you are probably protected. <laughs> if you don't think you're protected, then you've got some work to do. Yeah. No, I like that. that. That's like interesting. And I'm also very excited to hear about the book on tarot. Like as a tarot reader, I love to hear different perspectives on tarot. So I'm here for that. You mentioned earlier, and so did I, about Artemis and the strength card. Do you want to oh, yeah. articulate like why you think that's a good combo? <laughs> um, As mistress of animals, Artemis is often represented standing between two lions particularly in Ephesus. The cat-lion representation is especially significant because of animals' connections to the moon. And Plutarch makes this connection by describing the cat as fickle, nocturnal, and prolific animal, which widens its eyes at the full moon. Artemis is often referred to as the goddess of the moon. Whether she inherits this title from her Egyptian heritage or this namesake is granted to her during her overlap with Hecate and Selene, 
she remains intrinsically connected to her Egyptian roots. So yeah, this is part of that dissertation where it's going over. Um, this is a, let me, I think it's like over 200 pages of a dissertation about Artemis. It's in, it's impeccable. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that kind of reinforces that uh, picture of, I've always associated Artemis with the strength card. So knowing that she has in history been depicted with lions at her side kind of just reinforces that. But we love a bit of tarot. Like we, we can see exactly why Artemis would be aligned with the moon, um, but also like temperance, like having that balance, like even with her own reserved nature and thinking things through, you know, like one, one foot on the ground, one foot in the emotions and how we feeling about things as well. Like I am, I'm here for It's that. amazing. It's amazing that you brought up temperance too, because she has been picked historically, um, the Minoan mistress of animals had wings, like the temperance card. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is why it's beautiful. Like, it really is. This is how it all connects. And there are little elements. I, I do love that. It's it what brings me joy. Um, It really does. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, Apollo has, like, the first year of working with Apollo, he really focused on tarot and divination with me. Now he's been focusing on philosophy a lot in my work with him. <laughs> All plays together because the more I mean I got the basis understanding of tarot and now the more I learn about philosophical things like Carl Jung was a famous philosopher he was big with tarot I would have never known that but you can find so many connections with philosophy and tarot and it's it's beautiful I love the way he's setting up all of our lessons it's it's kind of fun to like be a part of honestly so I'm big on divination and I love to see the work you're doing with tarot, astrology, deity exploration as well. And you've talked there about like how Apollo's like been a part of this for you. So what other divination aspects do you see yourself working with Apollo for moving forward? Honestly, I you um, brought up previously in a conversation or I believe you brought up different types of divination that I haven't I wasn't familiar with like um, arrows and things like that what was that called yes so for like Apollo I'd recommend like bellomancy which is the arrow divination and the like where an arrow lands and like how it um springs from the bow um there's also rhapsodomancy which is poetry divination and it's actually older than bibliomancy or the divination of sacred texts and um with apollo as well there's working with solomancy so yeah. it's working with the sun its behavior its appearance so things like eclipses magic at sunsets you know in england i don't know if you have the same but we have like red sky at night shepherd's delight you know like the appearance and its omens through that um oh the arizona sunsets are famous here in the united states so i definitely have the beautifulest sunsets i have um honestly never heard of the bow and arrow um divination i think that's fascinating i would love to try that um i haven't explored very many forms of uh, divination i've done i think pyromancy with some fire work mm -hmm. that was really fun I made up my own little divination. It's like kind of a mix between like it's charm casting, but with divination cubes. Um, and, and I have like different symbols on my cubes. I don't know if you've seen my TikTok video about it. And the one, I saw the one with like a Hecate reading. Is that the one you're yeah. referring to? Yeah. yeah. So I actually thought it was like a form of, um, so that that is a form of divination. Like there, there's claromancy, which is called like a casting of lots. So typically it would be charm okay. casting is when you see people like scooping all the charms and then like 
pouring them onto a cloth. Um, but because it's Claremont, you, you can literally use it for anything. It used to be knuckle bones or like cube shaped bone parts um, that would be like inscribed on or the appearance of them would be associated with a meaning. Um, like yeah. Hecate, Hecate um, she has one Clydomancy, which is using keys specifically in the appearance of keys, like for charm casting. Um, Love that. With, with Artemis, um, there are a couple of other divination methods, but there's one that you could combine for both Artemis, Apollo, and Hecate if you wanted to. Um, so it's coin divination, uh, Numis Madamancy, it's called. Um, so specifically for the Hecate aspect, it's actually called like Hecatomancy, which I think is oh, amazing. So awesome. so, <laughs> I was like, this is badass. Um, so this is like the appearance of coins. And interestingly, um, like you've probably seen it for yourself, how um like Juno and Diana and the like, Minerva, you know, uh, they all had different coins and like the appearance of the coins. If you think of Batman and Two-Face, he has one coin with like a slash side and like one mm -hmm. is like a good side kind of thing. Um, that's that's more of the Hecatomancy aspect versus um, Numismatomancy and how many coins, what the coins colors metal um shape size that's more of a mismatomancy thing like i'll i'll text you what all these it's so cool to know that there's probably something out there for everyone yeah um but you know as long as you like cultivate your trust and your intuition you'll probably find messages in anything and this brings me to um, a mediumship mentor of mine her name is Suzanne Giesman she's amazing if you don't know who she is um, but she talks about these things called snags and you know how like on a sweater if it's like this thread will snag and you pull it um, yeah. to unravel the thread right yeah. she says in like your spirit will give you snags so things that will like catch your attention like for example a quote or a specific name that i'll google and it leads into a rabbit hole where i discover something that i've been you know looking for for a long time that's the kind of moment that you're going to see as long as you trust your intuition and know that it's going to lead you somewhere cool like you know what i mean as long as you're brave enough to take that like to follow that snag and to unravel the thread to see where it leads i think um, you're going to find messages everywhere. That's just how the world, it communicates in symbols. That's just the language of spirit. That is literally perfect. That, that's literally what I describe divination as, you know, like the universe has a language. Divination is the interpreter, like how, mm -hmm. <laughs> how to translate <laughs> it. So perfect. Um, yeah, like for anybody else who's listening, um, for Artemis, I'd recommend Dendromancy, which is a form of tree divination. Uh, there's Pagomancy, which is using streams or springs or rivers um, and divining in that sense. But um, specifically for anybody who works with, and I fucking love a notebook, but like specifically like Book of Shadows, I recommend always having something called a Book of Intuitions, which is where you can note down all these, you know, random encounters, signs, repeating symbols, things like that, like almost like a diary. Oh, so I love that. I love that idea. Ah, I a love it. Right. So I would recommend keeping a large like bestiary section in the Book of Intuitions uh, for Artemis. So you can mm -hmm. document 
uh, a pantomancy, which is the random encounters of all these signs and symbols and things. You know, like when you keep repeatedly seeing 11, 11, so you know, like sort of things like everywhere, like that's a random you know, recurrence. Yeah, and what's also good to do with Artemis is this is something I've done on walks and hikes. I have this plant identifier on my phone. And so if a plant looks interesting to me, I, I, I look it up to see what it is. And a lot of the times I'll look up the magical associations and there's a message in it for me. And I feel like that's another way that Artemis will send messages. It's through nature like that. Perfect. Did you know that that's got a name as well? Oh my gosh, please <laughs> tell me what it is. You're amazing. Um, so there's botanomancy, which is like botanics, like botanomancy, but specifically for leaves and like aspects like that I know we talked about dendromancy there which is the tree aspect but um philomancy like um p-h-y-l oh my god don't make me spell it but like like <laughs> like chlorophyll like that phil yeah. philomancy aspect uh that's what that is um but yeah love that that's like amazing. I think that's amazing <laughs> I love that we can modernize it by like bringing in our apps on our phone <laughs> honestly like bring me a bit of tech I love it my book of shadows and my uh grimoire and all of that that is all on they're all Pinterest boards I'm not making it up like it just makes my life easier you know if we're having readings done by people online and even like free card polls that people do sometimes and you screenshot it and you've got nowhere to put mm -hmm. it like Pinterest is a fucking god saver for that like it, it's such a cool hack and I absolutely love it so yes I'm gonna uh, take you up on that I also got this thing called a rocket book fusion um it's like I can write in it and erase it but before I erase it I can like um there's an app on my phone that I'll just download it as a document and I can email it or whatever I can just like it's reusable and I honor Artemis with that because I use so many notebooks but I'm like I don't always have like a place that I can just dump my thoughts into mm -hmm. because I just throw them away anyway but this is nice because I can write it into here take a picture it uh, you know saves it as a document and then uh I can just erase it <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. See, like, look at us dropping in those witchcraft hacks at the end of our podcast. I love it. <laughs> this has um, been awesome. I mean, honestly, like you said, we could talk for hours, but we probably should wrap this up. <laughs> oh, 100%. So thank you so much, Paige, for being so open and honest about like your journey and your relationship with your deities. Um, we all really, really appreciate it. So thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. And also, you know, you mentioned you don't know if there's any deities around you, but if you ever want to know, I can offer my services to you, obviously. I love to find out what deities are around people. And you've read my birth chart. So if you want me to pay you back with a deity identification, if you're ever interested, I'd be more than happy. Oh, my God. We're all excited now. 